This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. Welcome to another episode of Hafta from a relatively relaxed lockdown COVID era. Uh we are recording from office today again. Uh, I'm happy to tell you that our colleague who had been tested positive with corona is pretty much recovered and hopefully should be back to work soon. Uh so thank you for all your wishes those of you who had sent us good wishes and all that. Before we head the headlines I'd like to introduce our panel. Joining us from Delhi is Emily Schmall. Emily is the South Asia correspondent for the Associated Press in New Delhi. She joined the Associated Press in 2014 as a correspondent in Fort Worth, Texas. She covered energy, climate change, crime and public health and contributed to award-winning year-long investigation on sexual assaults in US public schools. In 2018 she transferred to Delhi where she's covered everything from elections to terrorism to climate disasters. She covers news across South Asia which includes India, Bangladesh, Nepal, Maldives, Sri Lanka and Bhutan and of course she collaborates with journalists and stringers across this. Hi Emily. Hi. Emily, uh, have you been traveling at all in the last 2 to 1/2 months? Not really. I have traveled as far as the border with Uttar Pradesh to report on the migrant crisis. but right. that is it i've i've reported only from delhi for the last two and a half months which is very unusual right otherwise i guess it involves a lot of travel all across the subcontinent right correct yeah not as much to the maldives as i would like but elsewhere yes i've i've been able to travel quite a bit right uh, also joining us from patna bihar is anand hi anand how's everything there uh, hello yeah everything is fine So apparently this influx of the migrant labor from Delhi who went there I saw many videos of them shouting slogans and very angry with Nitish is is that a thing or is that just a few people who uploaded their videos on WhatsApp <laughs> I mean it's a mixed bag some people are happy with the arrangement some are not so um, there are different reactions to it it uh, the, so uh, the video that was uploaded is a uh, one side of it there are many sides to it i see apparently the bihar government is giving uh, condoms to returning migrants which is like really why Co- condoms why because of the whole stereotype that these are migrants these are poor they'll come back and they'll start procreating like, yeah. oh i see so they don't work procreate and and the related thing is that all the stories i mean at least i saw two stories one in print one in somewhere else i forgot stories and the pictures they have used for those stories are of muslim migrants coming back really right yeah i completely missed this so uh, one thing is that uh, around 4000 some 4100 uh, positive cases have been detected and uh, the anxiety of the bihar government that a lot of them would be marked uh, migrants is at least at is statistically true because 73% of them i mean uh, 2900 something uh, migrants uh, of the 87 86000 uh, samples so yeah. 5% samples are positive cases and uh, out of the positive cases 73% are migrants so even if not scientifically at least uh, statistically and their anxieties have proved true Yeah the same thing happened in Karnataka we'll discuss that also on the panel is Manisha Pandey hi Manisha hi i was and just reading this condom story because i was a bit surprised by that so okay. anyway the state health society executive says that we are distributing condoms and contraceptives contraceptives 
perspectives, as we've noticed that nine months after March and November, when maximum migrants return for Holi Diwali Chhat, there's a big increase in institutional deliveries. I see. So maybe so they have some they, data maybe they want to decrease on and Maharaj, hi Maharaj. Institutional Hello. deliveries. So uh, before we, uh, you know, I'd like to start off the discussion in uh, you know what's happening. A the near miss did did uh, Maharashtra Mumbai actually dodge a bullet. Uh, maybe Emily can tell us about US has a lot of experience from cyclones. I remember, you know, in the last few years, there have been a bunch of them that have hit US. And of course, the violence that has erupted as the protests rise in the US. We shall talk about that. But before that, here are the headlines. Cyclone Nisarga narrowly misses Mumbai, but uh, the Raiga district has been terribly affected. There's been two deaths and three injured. So not as bad as Amphan, but still quite uh, unprecedented for uh, Maharashtra. This is the first cyclone in, I think, 129 years hmm. that's hit the coast. Violent protests erupt in the US. We've had some dramatic visuals play out through the week. This is following the murder of George Floyd, a black man, at the hands of a white police officer. So we can discuss that in detail. India-China tensions continue. There's been some heavy weaponry that has been brought onto the base in Ladakh. Uh, the defense minister said that uh, they're going to be in talks and they're going to try and solve this diplomatically, even though there's been uh, there's been an increased presence of Chinese troops. Delhi police has filed two charge sheets. Uh, one that states that Tahir Hussain is responsible for the killing of IB staffer Ankit Sharma. He's supposed to have been funded by people, about a crore, and he's supposed to have also met Umar Khaled at Shaheen Bagh. So there's a lot of conspiracies around uh, the murder of the IB staffer. There's another charge sheet that implicates, among others, Pinjaratur activists for inciting violence and creating enmity between communities, which finally led to the riots. Uttarakhand CM and three ministers are self-quarantining after their colleague tested positive for COVID-19. I think also there's someone in the defense establishment or ministry or secretary. Defense secretary, yeah. A defense secretary has also been tested. And I, was he part of press conferences? There was some uh, fear in the journalism community. Jessica Lal murder convict Manu Sharma will walk f- out free. Uh, that didn't get much coverage, I felt, considering the case that it was. Facebook employees stage virtual walkout. This is again uh, the company's response to President Trump's tweet vis-a-vis what Twitter did. A Dalit girl in Kerala committed suicide after being unable to access online classes. We have a piece on this also, which looks at the difficulties that these students are facing. The Modi government completed one year of its second term. This was marked with a lot of celebration in news media, typically, as always. And uh, Narendra Modi also wrote letters to citizens. And there were op-eds from BJP leaders in lots of publications. Amit Shah's op-ed in Times of India made quite a bit of uh, news. I couldn't understand what that graphic was with that uh, Modi's image and the rainbow deflecting through a prism. Hitting coronavirus? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someone was trying to be That was a source cheeky. of much joy. Trump terminates U.S. relationship with WHO. India ha, uh, India's cases, coronavirus cases have reached 2 lakh, crossed 2 lakh with 5,000 deaths, over 5,000 deaths. There was a really sad story of a pregnant wild elephant's death in Kerala after she ate a pineapple filled with explosives. Contrary to news that came out in the beginning, this pineapple wasn't fed to the elephant, but it's generally strewn around in that area to catch wild boars. Still... Um, horrific act but I think this is one of those things where I think you need to really look at the animal man confrontation and really look at the nuances of it rather than just have a simplistic view on it but this is a really tragic story and it united everyone from uh, the left to right to come together and denounce the elephant killers luckily no one said why were you silent when two elephants were killed in Assam last month so everyone came together on this. JNK administration revokes PSA against Shah Faisal and two other PDP leaders. India expels two Pakistani embassy officials on spying charges after arresting a kabutar from the border. Hmm. 
I just like to also remind those of you who haven't subscribed yet to please subscribe. I often call you Mufat Khors, so Mufat Khors, uh, do subscribe if you can afford to, if you have a job and if you can afford to pay 300 rupees a month, which I'm hoping you can if you have a smartphone or a laptop, because if you don't pay for news, then it is only going to be Sarkar Ke Habarose. And those of you who read the newspaper day before yesterday, there was a quarter page ad in English, in all the English dailies, in Delhi at least, which the farmer and the migrant laborer was being referred to in the second person. It wasn't like telling us privileged people, in case you want to know, you rich fuck, what we have done for the farmers is what we've done. It was in the second person, it was telling, dear farmer, this is what we've done for you. You should access this here, you should access that. Because as we know, farmers and laborers are reading in English newspapers. So that was a device where your hard-earned money is put into the pockets of legacy media because no laborer I know is reading an English daily in Delhi. Uh, so <laughs> you could either do that or you could pay to keep news free and uh, just try to make sure we have a bigger team because there are a lot of very important reports that need to be done. So we have a few new NLC in our projects. Go to NLC and check those out. Please fund those. And uh, I think we'd all be a lot better off if you could do that. Before we get into the discussion, a few announcements. One is there is a new NL Sena project up in three months, uh, you know, since the violence, whether you want to call it a riot or the different people call it different things. But the horrific violence that erupted in Northeast Delhi, it left 50 people dead. The Delhi police has arrested hundreds of people, thousands of affairs have been filed. And now there are accusations against the police that they're targeting the victims while giving a pass to BJP leaders. Very visibly, two Pinjatod activists were arrested for apparently inciting the riots, but the BJP leaders who are on record on video saying some horrific stuff have not been arrested yet. And two charge sheets have basically hit, hit headlines. One is a, the charge sheet that involves Thyrus and the AAP cooperator and the other one which involves the Pinjatod activists. Yes. So uh, through text, video and podcast, we are going to be doing a very deep investigation into this. Our wonderful reporters Ayush and Basant will be on this. This Sena project will take a lot of time, effort and resources. The target amount is Rs. 2,20,000. So this will be a text report, a video and an audio podcast. So do chip in for this NL Sena project so we can get to the bottom of this. Because as you know, when the public pays, the public is served. And when government advertisements pay, government advertisements are served. We don't want to survive on that. I also want to thank all of you, so many of you. An email had gone out last week from Manisha and me about how resources are getting constrained because, you know, the crisis of news. And so many of you stepped up and upped your subscription amounts. Thank you, thank, thank you, you, thank you so much. Uh, we would really appreciate others coming on, those of you who are listening to this in the Chota Hafta free version. If you guys can pay to keep news free, trust me, it will impact everybody's life in a good way. So I urge you to please do that. Also, you can gift a subscription. We have so many of you who have chipped in and said those who cannot afford a subscription, like students, I will sponsor it to them. In fact, one of the most generous and recent that came was Balpreet Singh from New Zealand. He's given 30,000 rupees as gift subscriptions to students. So uh, thanks, thanks so much, Balpreet. And if you're a student and, you can't, and you're not earning and can't afford a subscription news laundry, go on to our social media. We have this form that we tweet out. Fill in that form with whatever college or school you're in and your ID card and Balpreet and many people like him who have agreed to sponsor subscriptions for those who can't afford it will be given subscriptions free of cost for a month or two months. So thank you for that, Balpreet, and thank you so much, everybody. Okay, so let's just start with... Actually, there's an email. Let me start with the email. Emily, if you just allow me, I'll just come to you. I want to start with this email that we got from a subscriber who has a small complaint 
And Praneet says, you guys are doing a tremendous job, big supporter of your work, have been going through a podcast and I was not able to find any discussion on George, Flo George Floyd death. Why was that? You guys have such a brilliant panel and I would love to hear your opinion on it. Praneet. So Praneet, actually the reason we didn't discuss this in the last um, hafta was because the incident had just happened a day before the hafta, maybe two days. And there was so much that had happened in India, there was lots to discuss. Uh, so we did kind of mention it, but the protests had not reached the stage that they have now. So we will discuss it now. And we we have actually someone from the US who can just give us an idea of what is happening on the ground other than what we see on CNN and Fox every day. So Emily, um, this this particular incident, we've seen a few police officers actually also marching. We've seen a police chief of, was he of Miami, who said... Trump should shut up or whatever. Just yeah, shut him up. Yeah, just basically, shut <laughs> basically said if you can't say anything constructive that helps, don't don't say anything. Say anything that so know. I mean, we've seen lots of you know very dramatic visuals and videos. So what's it like there? What do your reporter friends tell you on the ground? Is it that big or is it just the images that come to us from a handful of cities that make it seem big? No, it's huge. I mean, as you mentioned before. I came to India, I was in this town called Fort Worth, which is a city about 900,000 people just east of Dallas. And it's not a liberal city. It's run by a Republican mayor. And there, it's an old city with a lot of oil and cattle wealth. And there was a huge demonstration there in which police had to use tear gas to disperse protesters from a bridge that runs through the city center. So the, the protests aren't happening in just big cities like Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, and Miami. They've reached into second and third tier cities as well. And it really feels that there is this nationwide collective reckoning with this homicide of this man, George Floyd, in Minneapolis that is coming you know, at the same time as lockdown restrictions are being eased, lockdown restrictions that have kept millions of Americans in their homes and that have cost a lot of Americans their jobs. Um, they're being eased. It's heating up. It's summertime in the U.S. So people are coming out in droves anyway. And just five months before what is seen as a very critical general election. And how does the analysts or the political pundits, they see it? Is this something that will actually help Trump in his election or will it be counterproductive to his base or, um, you know, his, his voter? Well, the polls are showing that most Americans are in favor of these protests, support these protests. And you can kind of get a sense of that by seeing how corporate America has responded. In the last few days, my email inbox has been full of messages from the corporate offices of big retailers, airlines, et cetera, basically saying, we acknowledge this moment, we must do better to ensure racial equality in this country. So that to me suggests that the pulse on the ground is that most Americans do support the protests. So that might be not so favorable to Donald Trump, but if we look back at history and we look back at 1968, which is the historical precedent that many people are pointing to, when there were similar protests happening around the country, those paved the way for Richard Nixon to take office because, uh, you know, a lot of people liked the idea of a law and order president coming to sort of restore normalcy at a time of a lot of tumult. So it sort of remains to be seen, but I think 
if the election were held today, pundits and pollsters believe that it wouldn't go well for the incumbent, Trump. And as far as the protests are concerned, are they bigger than uh, the Rodney King protests of 92? I, I know you were probably very young at the time, but would you have some reference from your senior colleagues or parents or aunts and uncles? I think the different the protests were huge in Los Angeles and in, in during the protests about what happened to Rodney King, but they were not necessarily as nationwide. And I mean, I think we can credit internet and other sort of organizing technologies for what we're seeing today. It's sort of like what happened in the Rodney King protests writ large because of technology. I think they are considerably larger now. Um, although I think the the issues and the concerns are very much the same as they were back then in the early 90s. I see. So um, I, we'll you know talk about how the Indian media also kind of covered these protests and in the most unique and sometimes bizarre way. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to come to that. Adli, I had a question um, for, for Emily. Um, I've been watching a lot of Tucker Carlson for the past few days. And um, one of the things that, I mean, channels like Fox, and I, I believe they're really popular and they're highly viewed, are focusing on all the images of looting and, uh, you know, mob uh, going berserk. Are those images going to lead to a public a Backlash. drop in public support for the movement or for the protests? Do you see that? Do you see that as popular discourse that it's actually mobs taken over the streets and it's not really, it's got nothing to do with Black Lives Matter? Or do you think that's just going to be, you know, restricted to the right-wing media? So I think that the U.S. was a deeply partisan country long before the events of the past nine days or so. I think that people who are inclined to see protests and inclined to see minority protesters in particular as a threat, will be happy to conflate them with, with the rioters, with the looters, and they will be happy to support the president in any effort to, to quash them. But conversely, as I said before, I think the majority of Americans won't share that view at this point. I think the popular sentiment in the U.S. today is that what happened to George Floyd was not only a heinous crime, but was also symbolic of the state at which uh, race relations are in this country and, and, and how uh, disenfranchised populations are treated by the state, which is many, many see as reprehensible. So I don't think that uh, Tucker Carlson and his ilk will have the upper hand in the discourse at the moment. Right. Though it's true that uh, news anchors across ideology there, at least from what I've seen, have unequivocally said that this was a crime, called it a murder, called it for what it is. They have diverging views on the protests and mm. how they view the protests, but the act of, uh, you know, what happened to George Floyd and the police officer You know, actually a lot of people was, wonder, and maybe we can just discuss that on this panel, that why something that happened in the US has an impact here, which in unrelated things, I have a former schoolmate of mine uh, who is in a very senior police position, in fact, in Maharaja State. And regularly on, on Facebook, there are fights because he's you know, puts out a post saying how great the uniform is and then someone from school says, dude, you know, because since your childhood friends, they can take some liberties that you may not take with a senior cop. And there's this thing, he's suddenly gone silent over the last 15, 20 days. <laughs> so I think, and I was surprised that no matter what kind of video brutality of the Indian police comes out, nothing shuts him up. But this has shut him up. I mean, I, I was fascinated. I was like, dude, the Madhya Pradesh cop beating did not shut you up. The other cop beatings of Delhi, I did Delhi not shut you up. You justify that. Yeah. But when this happens, suddenly there's zip. 
and there was the IPS associations tweet also right saying that this is brutal and this is a heinous yeah, crime yeah i find it fascinating i put i quietly put the video of the you know the guys in delhi riots who were forced to sing national anthem yeah, yeah, yeah. and then yeah, one that. of them died yes. just for a video that so I, i think it's fascinating that our indian celebrities find it you know sensible to put a black dp or do some protest post over this when they said nothing about what happened in india and conversely on the you know extreme you know hawkish type commentators also they find it okay to condemn that but never condemn what happens i mean the reactions of both the extremes both the gutless extremes the the liberal gutless wimps and the right wing gutless wimps the reaction on this has been exactly the same i find that fascinating well i wonder if it has to do with what i was sort of talking about before which is that in the us at the moment these big retailers these corporate america seems to have recognized that it maybe potentially profitable for them to endorse this protest movement and i wonder you know what the cost would be for celebrities or companies in india if they were to take a stand against police brutality in india would it be because it's not it doesn't seem to be a popular position to take yeah i think it comes down to the market I- exactly that's i mean that's pretty much the crux, crux of it If you remember last week I think we were talking about why India hasn't seen a subaltern revolution hmm. in like the last 2000 years people from the lower classes lower castes who have just taken over power hmm. and that is because I explained because for that to succeed you have to have this critical mass of people from those who have power to support your cause they have to buy into that idea of justice right india doesn't have that us like emily said these people even if they are doing it only for performance's sake but they know they have to do this because society will hold them accountable for that right india may you can't do that if a policeman just beats up somebody it has social sanction right yeah. it's allowed right so you also that, have the euphemism called encounter also is that is again because is that, that for, conception yeah. of justice again i mean we are getting lots of mails about me saying everything is related to caste but it is hmm. because that conception of justice if you have have practically an apartheid system in existence for 2000 years that idea of justice takes a hammering it doesn't exist and anymore. it takes very long to seep in you know one at a e- time exactly right? it's like so, osmosis level yeah if you have already dehumanized people who are under you so killing them treating them badly it doesn't matter but i think if there's one thing you can compare caste with is it's slavery and racism in the e- us exactly it's pretty they much apartheid they have managed to reach a critical point where uh, you know it's not okay and i think it's also true in india with relation to caste in terms of performance even if it's you know if a dalit is lynched or if a dalit is attacked even for the sake of performance ministers police will come out and say not for minorities not for muslims no, exactly. but all, but even in the caste thing i think it'll take a little longer because the history of slavery in the us is much shorter as compared to the yeah. history of caste yeah, in india yeah, yeah. so even in the us you know from alabama or from martin luther king to now it's been fairly swift because there's no rootedness like america is a country that they came to a new land started afresh you know made grids and said so there is not Village generations Indians. of that in your dna emily do you, do you, do you think that's one of the reasons america you know i i um, in my younger days uh, sorry but before i come back to emily anand you want to come in on this what do you think it's an economic reason that why the you know far hawkish you know let's beat up everyone hindu right and the f- celebrities have the same reaction on this us case but neither of them had anything to say about the indian cases you think it's an economic reason or is there something else there could be a variety of reasons for it uh, i don't know maybe the stakes uh, logic that someone was talking about that to where you have more stakes uh, 
sometimes drives it sometimes also uh, it's uh, you see in the 80s back in 80s only the uber cool circles had this joke and people from the hinterland used to ridicule them that uh, i remember even someone with very elite i'm bringing like upmanyu chatterjee in the novel english august has this line that uh, see these people uh, these are sort of people who uh, would love to get uh, love to get aids if it's raising in america hmm. so this idea of uh, being politically fashionable in your statements you know even politically stand and hitting it to some western centers of power like america has been a long one and uh, um, within the say the upper stratum of the society uh, but uh, if you see a celebrities as a microcosm of uh, that strata then i think the stakes factor is more important because uh, the volatility that uh, a very political statement on social media from a celebrity can uh, trigger in india is far more than something very distant and remote as united states of america right uh, emily uh, coming to you i mean just want to get your view since you are american and have been in texas actually which which is uh, i guess not one of the more liberal states historically you know we've discussed this in the past in uh, on the hafta on this podcast that one of the reasons america is very quick to change like america does some of the biggest screw ups but also fixes it faster than anybody else you know from segregation to obama did not take that long but i don't believe i will see a dalit prime minister especially dalit woman prime minister in my lifetime in fact i can pretty much bet my life i won't or something from you know a vietnam to the backlash that vietnam got like and even when i was growing up you know popular shows like the wonder years had commentary on that on the korean war on, on vietnam which was which took over popular culture that was the dominant narrative so it fixes itself very quickly is that because there is no cultural baggage it was a bunch of people who came took over a country wiped out the native americans so therefore they can change very quickly like going from obama to trump has also been quick and i guess going from trump maybe to you know luther king will also be quick why, why do you think it's so so quick to fix its screw ups well i really don't know whether it has to do with cultural baggage i mean though as you said the us started out as a colony I mean it in terms of its history as a republic I think it has plenty of cultural baggage it of course arrived and there were already many people living there whom it it summarily subjugated and pushed further and further west and into reservations so I'm not sure that its history is not complicated but what I would say is that the US has shown itself time and again to have a very robust checks and balances system whereby political protest can achieve legislative change so even if the executive branch of the united states government is opposed to the will of the people the people have alternate routes to achieve the change they want to see and i think similarly the executive branch is constrained by checks and balances so in the the the, the four years nearly 4 years of the Trump administration we have seen this at a velocity that is almost impossible to comprehend but 
where the, the public and the president have been at odds and it's been sorted out by these other branches of government. And so I think there's just, there's, there's a reflexiveness in American politics and American society that maybe permits for faster change than a place that is ancient like India and has thousands of years of complicated history that it always is grappling with and trying to kind of reconcile with the goals of, of a modern society. But at the same time, I think it's, it's also because, like somebody on this panel was already describing, there is a sense of justice, whether real or imagined, that people demand to see and that when they talk about the word justice in American discourse has a collective, you know, people collectively understand it as something. Whereas I think in India that, that isn't always the case. Um, I'm thinking of the incident in Hyderabad a few months ago where a young woman was gang raped and the, the alleged perpetrators who were just alleged perpetrators at that time, of course, had not been tried or sentenced, were gunned down in a, a very suspicious t moment by the police. And, and I recall noting that on social media, on TV, and even in the streets, people seem to largely celebrate yeah. that form of what they perceived as justice, whereas, um, of course, it was, it was an ex what appeared to be an extrajudicial killing. Yeah, in fact, not just on the streets and social media, there were people in well, positions, news anchors, news anchors and there were, you know, people in positions of authority, elected representatives who said that we'll do this in our state as well. We should do this. I congratulate the police. Yeah, and that was pretty ghastly. But Manisha, if you can just tell us how some of the Indian channels kind of weaved <laughs> the protests in the US to are, you know, riots that happen in Delhi. So just months. like we were, it's very natural for us to discuss the atrocities by the Indian police, especially at the back of the riots, when you're talking about what's happening in the US. And that's what a lot of people did. So people did tweet talking about that, fine, you're, you know, you're with the Black Lives Matter movement, but why aren't you talking about, you know, the injustices in India? And there were a bunch of people who came up with this Muslim Lives Matter hashtag. And RSS, who's Rahul Shankar on Times Now, used that to basically talk about this conspiracy that's happening to destabilize India using Black Lives Matters. And he actually uh, called Muslim panelists and asked them, uh, you know, uh, what, are you, what do you have to protest about? It's not like your rights have been taken. It's quite funny. They were saying exactly the same thing that all Lives Matter folks say in the US mm -hmm. while supporting Black Lives Matter. <laughs> so, you know, like, but you have not been, uh, you know, discriminated against anyone. The constitution gives you all the rights and... What rights do you want? To marry four, four women at a time? Like, this is actually something yeah. that was said. So, uh, an anchor saying this, can you imagine? I mean, he would be taken off in any other civilized country. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. That is that is something, yeah, it's been crazy to watch how anchors can get away with stuff in India, which they'd never, I mean, even the most right-wing channel would not say the sort of stuff that these guys say. Yeah. There's uh, one other aspect to this. Uh, I think uh, Pankaj Mishra said it in a very different context. So he was, I think... It was in a quote, I think, in a caravan story. So he was talking about why all these so-called intellectuals in India, the like the people who are the elite in the academic circles and all, why they suddenly all became like overnight they became neoliberal and they were start talking about like free market zealots and all that. Mm. So he was saying that basically these people they come from that segment of society which has pretty much all the power, all the privilege this society can afford, which is India, right? So their next aspiration is 
to be part of that society the us the europeans so they and reach <laughs> a saturation point of their yes their and because content. they're uh, suddenly like in the last 30 40 years their elite has taken up these values of like free market and everything so they have to be part of that conversation and because the reforms ha- the 1991 liberalization happened in india it gave them that opportunity because before that india was just like the all the power they had to trade with those people was cultural power social power now they had that economic power also they could say okay we are also a developing country or will be an economic superpower so talk to us we are part of your group i think the same thing happens with when you're talking about these cultural factors why like these actors who say kill muslims in india or whatever and then say black lives matter so it's the same thing same that aspiration of belonging to that society for good or bad i mean right now us that is the pinnacle of your aspiration right, right. as a society well, so as a culture to be with the in crowd yeah i mean <laughs> for good or bad whatever it mm. is the is that shining hill shining city on the hill right so i think that is one aspect of it that desire of belonging to that and to belong to that because these things are important they have this conception of justice so you have to say this even if you don't believe in it right out here you can get away with it because well that has a social sanction anand you want to come in and have anything to say before we move on to the cyclone okay just uh, two brief points uh, first is that uh, since i don't watch television in print in whatever newspapers i read there was no conflation of uh, the protests in us with the indian contest uh, uh, indian context uh, there were one two pieces which hinted at it but generally they treated it as separate affairs i think uh, it is not uh, something to uh, your approach to such kind of protest has also not to do with ideology i think it's it's more to do with what kind of person you are means uh, are you a protest person or are you someone who things that i have to leave 3 4 decades more and these are perennial questions and would be not settled in the lifetime what uh, we can really look up to is how the order is maintained now the, in order in constitutional sense in both india and us these questions these political questions of equality and liberty are institutionally settled because of the kind of constitution that these countries have the institutional mechanisms are there in place but the serious point for reflection is is the the order that is mean that is the machinery delivering those mechanisms now and the point to fix is that means uh, punitive measures against people who are not observing those constitutional norms and this so i think uh, with the institutional part of it being taken care of it is the practice part and the order part which which is fairly doable in say your lifetime in 30 40 years more if you are a middle aged person so i think more of like that what kind of person you are yeah you may not be a protest kind of person but you may be a order kind of person or you may be a protest kind of person so both kind of persons have a stakes in this debate right very articulately well put uh, manish just two things no just two comments i had on the the i don't know if you guys watched the whole video the 8 minute video new, yes. new york times has done a really good dissection of exactly what happened and even as someone who's aware of racism in the us when you see that even um, someone like me who's seen so many videos you know during the delhi riots was quite shocked and just how stubbornly the officer had his knee to his 
uh, on his you know, neck. neck and and just he was he, he had such a cold stoic face and he was so stubborn about it and one thing to note was i was really i mean heartening is not the word but it was nice to see that passerbys you know guys who were passing by uh, making a video of the whole thing were actually chiding the police officer screaming at him and saying get off you know what the fuck are you doing get off he's going to die i don't know if i mean in india in i think india, people fact, would have just joined in or would have ignored or would have just said ha theek hai you know chor deserves it even if even as a petty crime most likely you remember that uh, young muslim boy who was killed on the train he was stabbed hmm. the whole compartment just okay. got yeah. onto the action and just yeah. threw but, him on no, the but we have videos of uh, even during the riots there were civilians who were joining the cops and beating up people and the cops yeah. i mean there's been video everyone on gorakhshaks doing that on the borders but actually the one thing i want to ask a cop and after this, sorry before we move on to the cyclone because emily is from sh- uh, you know she she's um, spent uh, much time in chicago i had a few questions to her about that because related to a show that i i watched but before i come to that i wanted to yeah go ahead no i just want to finish the point and the second uh, image that i was really struck with with all the protest images that are coming in how heavily armed the cops are there hmm. i mean kudos to indian police for all sudden done wo ek dande se bechare pura hindustan chala rahe hain there <laughs> They I mean, they have like serious weapons. Yeah, it it could right. be quite scary to encounter India, a cop man, in the US. India, man, that's not for want of I mean trying. <laughs> they just can't afford it. But still, it's quite something that we maintain law and order this without is, such. I, I don't know if we maintain law and order. I mean, the question that I actually had is that when you see something like that happening, or that video of that Madhya Pradesh police guy just hammering this guy again and again yeah. till he falls flat. I mean, I don't know what happened to. We don't even know that guy's name. Yeah, you yeah, see, yeah, everybody yeah. knows the George name. Floyd, yeah. uh, you know, George yeah, Floyd. Yeah. But we don't even know the name who was that guy who was that is part of the dehumanization right? right when you don't know the name it's just a statistic maybe that's a story so you, we should do and yeah. the story we should do is we the whole world knows that is why so uh, for our listeners so uh, because a lot of people the migrant workers who died during the lockdown usually like there were stories in the media one story here one story there, no there. so what we have done is we have been trying to find out the names of all the people who have died we have so far collected 170 or so names right. so we have put it on the website uh, basically i mean we couldn't go into detail because right now it's not possible logistically yeah. so just the name where they were from where they were going and, the and how and the how death, they yeah. died so it's up and as and when we get more information we'll keep adding we'll keep it so that. please just check it out no, but you know my question to a cop would be that while if i am resisting arrest a cop is well within his rights to use excessive force or if i react violently the cop is if a cop is beating me up do i have the right to punch him in the face or not no one seems to be able to give a clear answer to that what is my recourse immediate recourse you can say you can go to court but what if he beats me to death before that like that guy who kept getting hammered so if a guy keeps hammering you with a danda am i well within my rights to punch a cop in the face yeah and especially when you're not doing anything so so i mean that, i think that is a question that really needs to be answered because those of us with privilege and by the way news track i have seen a video of this by the way um, i'll just come to emily sorry i want to tell all you youngsters who were not around during news track time it used to be my pet pastimes to go watch this video uh, there was a nightclub called fireball that had opened in gurgaon 32nd milestone in haryana back in the late 80s early 90s haryana wasn't like it is now this cyber city there were just a few of these luxury resorts other vedos villages and fireball was the biggest nightclub in asia the entrance was like darth vader's head so all these fancy cars from delhi used to go park there and the villagers used to just come and hang around and watch these people in short skirts getting out and going into this so there was just barren land I mean now 32nd milestone has like a dozen tall skyscrapers those fancy buildings at that time there was just 32nd milestone nothing else it was called fireball and this guy called Sami Thapar Samir Thapar the the CEO of the JCT empire and he had two friends called Tiger and Hasa they're huge they were like 
20 inch biceps and um there was this fracas that opened up at the opening of of fireball and these cops came and they probably tried to mess with sammy and sammy because uh, the jct was under threat from the terrorists uh, during the punjab terrorist year and it that security carried on till the 90s as well he used to have these punjab cops with him with these machine guns and stuff so and the news track camera was there there were these 20 cops around sammy tiger and hasa who were trying to get to these guys because the fight had broken out in delhi nightclubs which was very normal back when i was young and hasa and tiger snatched two dandas from the cops and 20 cops around these three back to back they hammered the fuck out of the cops no cop had the guts to go and get these guys a the cops are malnourished <laughs> probably 100 pounds tiger and hasa were 100 kgs each and i used to watch that and no neither tiger tiger nor hasa nor sammy were ever arrested for that but that video i wonder if india today all has i mean india today i don't even think they've digitized all the news track tapes they have such amazing footage there now my point is if a cop tries to harm me am i okay doing that or not or do i have to be sami thapad the moral principle that has long been recognized in almost everywhere is it's for the oppressed alone to decide how they resist their oppression nobody else especially not the oppressor that is why this this whole thing about anchors and politicians everyone saying okay protest this way protest this way no you have no absolutely no right it's for the oppressor to oppress to decide how they maybe when i it. interview a cop i'll ask him this question what is the prescription in the police bible that if a cop is bashing up someone can he bash the guy back yeah and what if he's killing me like yeah, in this case like what if he's just actively killing no, me like can ima- i in self-defense imagine fight back imagine your neighbor comes into your home with a gun starts torturing your family members starts shooting them one by one what are you supposed to do go darna exactly. and and if the person's wearing a uniform do the rules change but emily i had this one question since you are from chicago i watched the last dance like i was discussing with you recently and my hero michael jordan i didn't know about that case uh, you know when he refused to back a black candidate from his state against a openly white racist candidate who eventually won a republican candidate and he was criticized for that and i mean in the show i bought his justification he was young he was upcoming he didn't want to get into politics but jordan is the biggest icon black icon i think in our lifetime no one has been bigger than him maybe muhammad ali muhammad ali i was going to say but but yeah muhammad ali in the world stage i think in the american stage it'll it's still michael jordan has he said anything and if not does the do the people of chicago expect him to speak up does he I mean is there that pressure on him? I don't believe he has said anything. I think he has confirmed that what had been reported at the time he said was accurate, which is that, you know, he said Republicans buy sneakers too. At that time of course he was promoting the Air Jordans and I think he just had this very market oriented approach to his brand and to the issue and I don't think he's become any more politically outspoken since then nor made any apologies for it um i don't think the people of chicago you know there's there's in the series there's an interview with barack obama who expresses some disappointment in michael jordan for failing to take up the mantle of quality and racial justice at that time when he he was playing basketball on the world stage and and had so much adoration an attention but i don't think that anyone blames him for that i do think though that it makes other athletes such as muhammad ali stand out even more for their bravery because not only were they tremendous athletes but they also put their reputation and their ability to 
to make money from their brand on the line by taking controversial political stances. All right, though uh, my producer Aditya has just forwarded me an article on CNN Sports, which lists Jordan from his Twitter account has put out a statement. I'm deeply saddened, truly pained, and plain angry. And it's got a bunch of other NBA players, former and current, who have spoken on, including Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So I guess yeah, he has issued a statement, but. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so before you go, Emily, uh, if you could just give us a recommendation for our listeners that you think would enrich their lives. And I see on your resume, um, you have co- done uh, a fair amount of climate coverage. Is there any, I mean, uh, have, since you may know a little more about this than I do, is there indisputable scientific fact that all these cyclones and stuff coming is because of climate change? Or is that still up for debate? Well, I think cyclones are proven to form in... Um, warm oceans. So the fact that ocean temperatures are rising, climate scientists have attributed to climate change, and therefore it's it's only logical that there would be bigger and more frequent cyclones. And I think that's kind of what we've been seeing in the Arabian Sea in recent years, including this last one that fortunately didn't cause too much damage in Mumbai and surrounding Maharashtra and, and Gujarat. As for a recommendation, I realize this is not a highbrow recommendation and this is a highbrow show, but still, I would recommend the bad but still very funny new series with Steve Carell and John Malkovich called Space Force, which is a thinly veiled uh, mockery of the, the newest branch of the U.S. military, which is also called Space Force. I think it's Steve Carell being Steve Carell, but in combination with John Malkovich, the sort of absurdity of the whole enterprise comes out. And um, yeah, I think it's definitely worth a watch as we uh, continue the unlocking process from the coronavirus lockdown. Right, Emily, first of all, I love that show. I haven't finished it because I can't do binge watching. My eyes start hurting, but I'm hooked onto it. Um, I think on episode four, if I'm not wrong, I agree with you. It's amazing. And I think it's uh, it's a commentary. It's it's not the usual Steve Carell kind of haha comedy. It has some really serious commentary as well, which is brilliant. I loved it. And thank you for calling this a highbrow show, but you're the only one who thinks so. <laughs> Most of our <laughs> listeners don't. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of thank fun. Thank you. Good luck with your coverage and uh, take care. Thank you. You too. Okay. There's another announcement of how to download or access Hafta. If you didn't tune in last time or you're having issues with Hafta, this is to tell you how to access it because we've moved the host of where we host a Hafta. We add a download link right at the beginning of all Hafta pieces on newslaundry.com. So if you go there, there is a download link. If you press that, you can download it. Click on the link, download the Hafta and access the episode offline. You can stream the episode by clicking on the play icon on the audio embed in the piece, but we recommend you download it. You can then play it natively in your browser or music app in your phone like Google Play Music, Apple Music, Amazon Music, etc. That way your player will remember the time slots when you access Hafta in multiple sittings. Some of you had clicked on the episode title inside the Acast and wrote in saying you can't download the file. That's because clicking on the title leads to the show page. Again, I repeat, please download the episode from the link in the Hafta piece. If you're listening on the desktop or want to stream it, there's always a play button. But downloading is the best until our new website is out. And our new website should hopefully be out now in under a month. And uh, after that, we'll also have an app, yeah. So guys, um, and some of you may be getting these messages that our app is defective and it is what you call accessing stuff on your phone. Actually, we took down our apps over a year, year and a half ago. 
So this is a stock message that is going to those of you who still have our app. Uh, but uh, we are developing a new app, so don't use our app. Download it when we've uploaded it and it's ready. We'll, you know, come back to the cyclone because uh, it narrowly missed Bombay. But uh, since, uh, you know... Rigor, it's really... I haven't damage, heard a little damage. bit from Anand. We've discussed COVID for a long time and we want. I want to discuss that Facebook thing that we discussed in the headlines. I want to discuss that in some detail. But I just want to get from Anand. Anand, could you just give us a little more detail about... Uh, Bihar, I saw um, Nitish Kumar's statement today. Uh, he's uh, rather upset that... I think he's ob- objected to the term refugee. I'm not sure if he's re- objected to the English term, but he's objected to the term that no one's a refugee in their own country, so please stop calling them refugees or migrants. I don't know what term he's objected to. Uh, you know, what is that about? Is there some politics around that? Is it important enough to take up as an issue? Uh, and secondly, the migrants who've gone, Karnataka has had the same problem, I think, a disproportionately large, I don't have the exact percentage, but a disproportionately large number of people who've tested positive are actually migrants, unsurprisingly, because we saw the conditions of the train and the railway stations. And what does what will that do in, in Bihar? Because how equipped is the healthcare system? It's already being topped up in Delhi. Like, it's very hard to get an empty bed in Delhi. So while it doesn't seem so visible in television channels and stuff, most Delhi hospitals are full up. Yeah. That's why they've taken over hotels. They've even stuff. stopped contract tracing now. Yeah. I suppose for the same reason. In fact, yeah, I'll, I'll, I have some news on that. But yeah, just tell us about these two, this Nitish's statement. And are things in the COVID care centers or hospitals as bad as we are seeing in some of the reports? Yes. Uh, the statement that uh, you are referring to, he said, um, he, he made that statement yesterday while addressing through video can conferencing uh, some grams of us and some representatives of his own party that uh, um, the nomenclature of uh, migrants is wrong nobody is a migrant uh, in his own country so uh, that, that that is that that, that is rhetoric so what he is trying to also impress upon the migrants that who have who have returned is that uh, they are skill mapping means the migrants who have skill sets say in plumbing or construction jobs or uh, are electricians or drivers or different kind of carpenting he's uh, he's trying to build a database and try to absorb them in state enterprises or or even the uh, private firms so uh, his uh, that may be a political consideration though migrants have not been uh, very consistent voter in bihar they have been generally absentee voters i i had written a piece about it in last lok sabha elections uh, there could be also reverse migration. And I think there are reports that UP is already witnessing it. Uh, and a few trains to um, back to Mumbai from Lucknow were uh, filled with uh, migrants. Anyway, uh, so the percentage of migrants in positive cases in Bihar is around 73% as recorded last evening. There are 4,326 positive cases, out of which uh, the late evening figures was 3,079 were migrants. That uh, was calculated to 73% of them. And the good news is that the mortality rate is still very low. It's only 26 deaths. 
the condition of quarantine centers uh, has not been consistent largely bad i there are different kinds of problems it is not that only one set of problem is uh, in all the quarantine centers this different quarantine centers are reporting different kind of problems one of the consistent ones is of course the list talked about was mosquitoes then there then there has been crowding in some quarantine centers with little regard to social distancing norms and the toilets have been dirty in a lot of quarantine centers and then there has been problem of even reptiles like snakes snake bites food is some quarantine centers people are happy some are not some ex i mean some kind of uh, abnormalities that you get consistently reported while serving say midday meals in schools could be seen in the quarantine food system like uh, some dead rats found well in all fairness that's that's happened in the shatabdi and rajdhani also so it's not limited uh these are but uh, i would not say that this has been the condition in all quarantine centers but this uh, there have been sporadic incidents around it uh, uh there have been also cases of people running away from quarantine centers and some fearful enough not to enter it uh, so both cases are there so people right. uh, uh, fleeing quarantine centers as well as uh, funking it so both so bihar still isn't one of the states like you know tamil nadu for a while or maharashtra is or delhi is you know the 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 no. rate at which it's increasing is very much i mean we gujarat can... that's that's a state that's really grappling but with a lot of we can figure out what the reason for that is is it testing or not but other than what one reads in the news you know what i what i get from having spoken to people or even our colleague who's in a covid care center and uh, whose covid care center is actually in pretty good condition so there are a few in delhi which are really good but maybe not all are like anand says but i was quite impressed that even people who can pay i mean there is just one standard system in delhi the moment you are tested it goes to the government their representative come and decides whether they take which hospital which care center should you be home quarantine and that's that no private practitioner can step in and do anything it is just done in auto so that is pretty impressive but delhi is a very small state i'm not sure whether that is even possible to do in a place like karnataka or bihar like okay let's say the lab sends a test kahan bhejenge wo usko lane suppose that person is in the middle of nowhere with no roads like delhi mein to within 8 10 hours a vehicle can reach you sometimes it takes 24 hours sometimes it takes more but in those states a so i don't think that protocol can happen in other states it can only happen in a state like goa or delhi in fact i think other than these two states it can't happen in any other state secondly uh, you may have read the news that six labs have been told to tone down testing or have been told to stop testing there's a rumor going around the delhi state may ban private labs from testing why this is happening is that the labs do the test and they are supposed to send the details to the nodal officer and then the nodal officer takes it from there they are not sending the phone number in full detail so they have the test now the address and the phone number is not there or sometimes they are submitting it 3 days later so by then that person has gone home and has decided to do what he or she wants to do so because there is no one pipeline where the information is coming from there's a rumor that they'll ban private testing now that is problematic at many levels i mean of course i i understand what their reason is but from the my point of view i might not you know they may be overwhelmed in any case on testing and they've also stopped non symptomatic asymptomatic testing even after the protocol earlier was you can only be discharged after you've been successfully two negatives 
Now, after 10 days, if you're feeling fine, without a test, they send you back. And I think that's the protocol over the country. So, I don't know whether we can flatten the curve like that. Manishi was saying, other than India and Brazil, or everybody else has flattened the curve. I don't think we'll be able to flatten the curve. I think India should be ready to for a steep rise till a cure or vaccine or herd immunity happens. The only um, heartening thing is, not heartening, but yeah, positive thing is that we have 2 lakh cases now in India, I think. And yeah, we've had only 5,000 deaths. Right. So it does seem like at least the mortality rate is in check, even though the infections are... No, but then again, there's a lot of dispute over that. I mean, some people are not even counting like comorbidities at this thing. So, I mean, the data is really fuzzy. So, nobody data really is, yeah. knows. But I'm, I'm guessing and, like 5 ka 10 ho jayega. And anecdotal evidence is like uh, Abhinandan also said in Delhi, I mean, hospitals are full. Same thing seems to have happened in Mumbai also. And now they're not testing after you've died. Exactly. Because they don't want to add so, to yeah. the... Yeah. So, we wouldn't even know. We don't even get the data. But, but no still, I mean, people clarity. aren't... But I think even by the data that if you see the world over, like when Spain did that random tests of asymptomatic cases, Governor Kumo did that in New York, it seems that the mortality rate is less than 1% because by the New York example, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. say 1.2 million yeah, people yeah, walking yeah. around, then it's not 4 or 5%. It's it's a little more than seasonal flu is what that Swedish doctor said. I think mortality rates uh, have a lot to do with the civic response to the pandemic. If the mortality rates go up, uh, then even the civic responsibility is better. Means uh, um, the fear factor plays a role. If the mortality, I think one of the reasons why public pressure for more testing has not been mounted on Bihar government is because of the very low mortality rates. I don't see a lot of panic here. Also, the empirical approach, since nobody knows much about the pandemic, and the line has been trial and error. So we know something more uh, day after tomorrow, then tomorrow, then tomorrow, then tomorrow. So the empirical approach has meant, that, for example, Bihar government had uh, taken up this ambitious project of uh, screening every single person, that is uh, more than 11 crore people of the state. Now, uh, they have uh, already screened about 4.6 lakh households, so that must be some crore people. But uh, in the process, the new studies came that uh, that even the, uh, say, people with without symptoms uh, uh, may carry infection, and that, that is the redundant uh, thing to do now. Now, the approach of the government after that has slackened it. It is not uh, approaching the screening with same enthusiasm now. Because of the evolving nature of the knowledge about the pandemic, and uh, as I pointed out, the low mortality rate has also played a part, a psychological part, I may say. And uh, then, of course, uh, a poor state like Bihar with its... uh, lackluster health infrastructure has its own set of problems. Yes. Though uh, ICMR has said we are far away from the peak, so maybe the worst is yet to come. I mean, maybe we're just right now... Peak as in of infection rate, but not mortality. We don't know. That may get better or worse. We don't know that, right? Yeah, I guess when it, I guess when it peaks, you're generally also tending to the mortality rate, no? no but again, I mean, if you like don't really know what's happening, if the data is not there, I mean... Yeah. In fact, even my friends who work in public moot, health yeah. in some of these international bodies, even they're saying that we're making it up as we go along. And I mean, these are some of the most high-profile bodies. 
They're saying we just don't know enough. And then you have the cases of like the Ames doctor who was thrown out of yeah, the association. We've done a story on that. We I have a report on that. On yes, please plug that report. Who's simply complaining about equipment? Very basic complaint, and not even a complaint. It's alerting the government. It's basically saying, "Hey, this is the problem." And then this guy is told to resign, and the story is heavily edited on edited on News Eighteen. It's quite also. There's another crisis which I mean is getting ignored like anything, which is that other people with other diseases, yeah, other yeah, ailments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people are dying. There I been know so of much anecdotal uh, evidence. Last week, who died of pneumonia, thirty-five years old. I know a twenty-one-year-old person who died of kidney failure because couldn't get treatment. He was yeah. on dialysis, but he had to have a transplant. So but he couldn't get. In fact, that even terrible. this is happening. The a lot of people who are being treated for other illnesses are not getting the treatment exactly. because of yeah. this. Yeah, this is another phenomenon. I mean, although few hospitals have set up a separate COVID hospital and separate regular hospitals, so the. Regular functioning doesn't get affected, but yeah, not enough across. But the that's country. only major hospitals. I mean, yeah. across the country, seventy percent of the healthcare is private, like clinics, small hospitals, yeah. and they're pretty much all shut. Yeah, and I think they need to be counted as COVID deaths, even if they're not COVID. I mean, not because of the infection, but because of how burdened the healthcare, healthcare system is. Yeah. Okay, uh, I have a few emails to read. After which, I want to discuss the Tahir Hussain, which dominated uh, prime time. I'll give that a little bit, you know, not too much time because, as you know, we have yeah. we'll have a deep dive report into it. And this just happened yesterday. Let's see what emerges over the next two, three also days. Also, the charge sheet has been selectively leaked to the media, so I don't. There still hasn't been a proper press conference and an address yeah. by the police. But a few emails. Uh, this is from um, a subscriber. He says, "I'd prefer you don't read this mail." Why are you reading it? But he said, "I'll leave the final decision to you." But okay. I just want to say, Pratyah had written because it's a response to Pratyah's letter in the last hafta on the pathetic state of Indian engineering education, and it struck a chord. And he's an engineer himself, so he sent us a Reddit link. He said, "If you ever choose to do a story on it, he'd be happy to talk about it." And he's just written a line saying that I uh, now live in Canada. I've seen numerous Indian trained engineers struggle with open book engineering licensing exams, and the reason is quite clear. Engineer education in India has produced degrees, not engineers. Mm. Um, so that's uh, yeah. Maybe we should do a piece on this. Thanks, man. Uh, I won't read your email because you didn't want it, but I just thought I'd put this out to Pratyah, and you have kind of it resonated with something. you. Yes. Three idiots also tried to tell us that. Three idiots also tried to tell us that. Right. <laughs> that's a. <laughs> that's not, not that, bro. Not that Manisha's trying to call you a pratyah. Idiots. She's just tactless. I apologize on her behalf. <laughs> No, no, but that's exactly <laughs> that. No, Amir Khan is a genius, yes, but the engineering college skills is. No, but that, that's a problem. That's a wider problem through the academic. This thing. Yes, it's not just engineering. They teach you how to pass an exam, not yeah, critical thinking. Exactly. Uh, so Edgar has written, says, "Dear News Laundry team, this is a different letter to normally what I send across when the Hafta panel discusses something. Been a bit of a melancholic mood recently. I've been writing my thoughts about the pandemic today. I want to write about something that I felt I thought I was immune to." and that is human suffering a few days ago i happened to catch an interview online which broke my heart a migrant worker begging to go back home due to losing his income during this pandemic he said he will go back to his village and eat roti with salt but he will not come back to the city nobody cares for people like him he said i was truly horrified and saddened as a fellow human being to observe that migrants view their own self worth being brought to nothing in their own eyes i felt i needed to write about it otherwise i will go truly insane by the sheer lack of empathy and uh, edgar has written uh, the migrant i am that nameless face you refuse to acknowledge i give you my sweat and tears so you can live a life of ease i help build your homes ensuring you get fed on time yet all i am always reminded of is what a huge liability i am i am the migrant who has nowhere to go i just walk back to my home to be amongst my own 
You question why I leave my job which earns me a good salary. I pray you open your eyes. Even today I'm forced to beg for that simple bowl of rice. I'm treated worse than cattle when traveling along with bodies both dead or alive. I just want my dignity intact of which I am constantly denied. I am the migrant who has nowhere to go. I just walk back to my home to be among my own so I don't have to die alone. Well, Edgar, I know what you feel. It was truly horrible to see what images we have seen over the last several weeks and months. But yeah, yeah what can one say, that's man? That's really powerful what you have written. Yeah, Edgar. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for that, man. Um, Shweta says, uh, Hi team, you guys are doing a great job and have kept me quite busy and thoroughly amused in this lockdown. A heartfelt thanks. I had a question I haven't reached a conclusion to yet. I wish Yoda was real, but you're as awesome, so... Should our influencers, namely Priyanka Chopra, Disha Patni and the likes be called out for the hypocrisy and the selective outrage? I have read both sides and both seem to make sense but nothing conclusive. All my love and admiration. Thanks Shweta. Thank you for your subscription. Thank you for your support. We did discuss this in some detail in the beginning but if any of you on the panel have anything specific to say to Shweta's specific query that should they be called out for their selective, selective outrage or not? Does anyone want to... Of course, certainly. I mean, there's another aspect to this. One is, obviously, this is hypocrisy. Everybody can see it, call it out. There's another discussion. Whenever people say, like, say, for example, there's this big name. Why is he... Like you were talking in Jordan. the context of Michael Jordan. Why is he not speaking about this? So the usual response is, I mean, it's his choice. He doesn't want to say. Mm. If you are a big name, you have privilege, you have power, you have this thing. You It didn't come from the sky. It was the society that gave it to you. Like they say, it takes a village to raise a child, a right? Mm. So it didn't come from nowhere. So it, I think, I mean, people may disagree. I think they owe it to society to speak up. Mm. It's not a choice. They owe it to us, to the largest society to speak up. Because that privilege, that it, it's the same with economic. It's like somebody saying, I earned this income on my own, so I won't it pay the yeah, tax. True. There is externalities. Yeah. That, that's, that's true. Manisha? I think it's fine for you to mourn something that's happened somewhere which doesn't affect you uh, without being told constantly, oh, why didn't you mourn for this or why didn't you mourn for that? There's a word for such people as tragedy hipsters hmm. where you're you're constantly reminded to mourn for something else when you're mourning for. So, I mean, fine if it has moved you. And it is true that the George Floyd, the whole video is very moving. It's very, it really hits you in the face. And you don't have to be black or you don't have to be Indian or it doesn't have to be your country's problem for you to be moved by it. And I think that's fine. But, yeah, of course, we know why celebrities... I Maybe the celebrities in India, of course, they can't say these same things for Muslims. And like Emily was talking about, it's it's so systemic in India. It will also mean Arnab Goswami coming at you. It would mean IT cell, you know, going with hashtags for, on you. Yeah, I think for some of them, that's not necessarily the biggest issue. Huh. But yeah, go ahead. I mean, yeah, I'm sure like Kareena Kapoor is probably just doing it too. I don't know why. No. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't expect anything from her in that sense but maybe like a Shah Rukh Khan or someone I, I see where their silence comes from and I do think it's really I mean I won't judge his silence so there's uh, I don't know did you guys read uh, an Applebaum's piece in the Atlantic the cover story this time I really want to read I've heard a lot of so it's about these things that how you will people be become for... what she calls collaborators basically why don't you speak up why does somebody speak up? Why doesn't I mean that piece has a lot? I have a lot of problem with it, with how she describes Trump and everything and all that. But it has some really good insights about these things. We should read that. But uh, in India, though, I feel sometimes you have to pick your battles because of that is the because thing. of the Why? establishment. That is how it starts. I mean, because one example, it's practical. See, Just one example do a backroom is, maneuvering, then put yourself exactly, out on social media. That is how societies are developed. When everybody starts picking up their own small small fights because 
this thing weighs over this, this thing weighs over this. That's how societies are built. One small example with this Ayer Mitra thing, right? Mm. I think I said it before also. This guy, he is basically a lunatic, a bigot. Mm. But because he gets a platform, platform. and a respected right. news organization, that confers credibility on him. Yeah, and Without that, he's just a two-bit troll. No, no, no. Right. Ayer Mitra is a different case altogether. But no, I'm but saying... I, no, 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 but I think specifically on... to Shweta's question, I think, you know, I, I'd say it, it's a very case-to-case basis. And it's not about picking your battles. I'd say it's about what do you have to give up in order to do this. In some cases, it's purely selfish. That I don't want to give up a film. And, you know, we also have, you know, there's an assumption uh, that one has that all these people are very well-informed and articulate and intelligent. Uh, having interacted with them personally, many of them, and having known many of them, our assumption of their perceived sense of power or self-confidence is a manufactured reality. When you get to know many of them, they are confused wimps. They don't know their ass from their elbow. They give a shit about what someone tweets about them. Can you imagine? Like the big, big celebrities who get really rocked by that. That is one. About a year and a half ago, I wanted to pursue a story because I'd got a lead of a celebrity who does a lot of social work in some rural parts of Maharashtra. And because that celebrity, well, didn't speak up, but gave a kind of a statement which suggested that he or she may say something more. Uh, that person's work was stopped in that whole village. And that celebrity's reason was that, okay, I'll speak up. It may or may not make a difference. But this village, which doesn't get water, and my foundation is kind of trying to do something for them, all those 1,000 people, they're fucked. So am I picking a battle and saying, okay, see, I've spoken up, but those guys, that work is stopped. Because you have to work with the government. I mean, even when I went to Rajasthan, I was shooting a documentary. When Rajender Singh was doing that whole you know, water harvesting thing, the administration would come and break their chokas or the dams. Even though it was just a kacha dam to collect water in rural Rajasthan, they said you cannot build. I mean, it wasn't building with cement. They were just piling yeah. up mud. So, A, there is that. So, I think it's a case-by-case basis. But I think you should not be so tone-deaf that I didn't say anything when, you know, there was such horrific things happened in the state of Delhi. I mean, time also matters. I mean, I won't say where were you when 1940s and where were you? No. If it's one month ago, I think it is fairly reasonable to ask. But if I haven't spoken up then, I definitely will not post for Floyd now. Because, I mean, I'd be a little embarrassed. But you know, the problem in India is also, I think, the media coverage. When, for an average person who's not like in a newsroom or who's not an avid news consumer, for a regular viewer, when you saw coverage of riots, there was a lot of vilification of protesters. And Mm. you don't want to side with you know, people who are being called, uh, you know, who may have connections so with whatever terror. Now, I can understand that when a celebrity watches that and there's confusion, which the media deliberately sows, I'm not making an excuse for that kind of coverage, you then tend to want to stay neutral because you're hearing these things about these people, these awful things said in, on every channel. So you tend to stay away and you don't want to take sides. This is very different from when you look at the US, so irrespective of what Fox News is saying about what the protest is now. There's a basic consensus in society that, okay, this was bad, this was racism, and this is not what America stands for. Right. So then it becomes easier because your moral sort of Collective threshold is yeah. also at a level where it's easy for then corporate America to say that, yeah, this we completely are against this. Yeah, but that's the problem, right? If people who have the power, who who have a voice, if even they don't say anything, what do you expect from a common person? Exactly. I guess. Yeah. So if so, they don't use that privilege, that power, so what's the point then? So I have just, we have a lot of mails coming. So I'll just read two more, then we can go on to this conversation about the Facebook case. This is from Vikyanth. Vikyan says, Hi, News Laundry team. I understand the barrage of emails you get these days, so I will try to keep this short. 
on the previous hafta there was the discussion on opening up the religious place of worship in karnataka the discussion mostly revolved around the necessity of it based on us as worshipers i think the scope of the discussion could have been broadened to include all the various entities involved right from the flower shop outside these religious spots to the local factories making the puja ingredients and selling them like for many people even their livelihood has been severely affected due to the lockdown and if there is any respite that can be provided to them at this point i think it should be seriously considered and while i agree that worship needs no place and gatherings in these places can be avoided it also needs to be understood that it is not an, as easy for those who have been visiting these places regularly to pray for their well-being specifically in these unprecedented times when scores of people are probably going through the toughest phase of their lives yeah it's a support system they would wish to turn to their beliefs in hopes of some respite of course this should be subject to strict adherence to all health and hygiene measures but the proposal for the opening should not be dismissed easily stay safe well i quite agree i mean there's an ecosystem there's an economic ecosystem there and if that ecosystem is relevant to construction and to booze shops i guess that ecosystem you know, is also maybe there. that ecosystem is actually bigger than a mall i mean i'm sure more indians frequent temples than they frequent malls yeah but like i it said last really, time it's also, also an outing you know like for low middle class families but this going to a temple is like a this discussion should also. be for public health experts yeah, to make yeah, yeah. yeah not religious heads right. political it should be a public yeah. true but no If that's a fine point is, he yeah, brings in yeah, yeah. then nisha parik says dear bhanana and newsland team i hope all of you are doing all right in the times of covid and keeping safe i've been a newsland content consumer for a long time I'm really glad that I finally managed to subscribe Abhinandan's email last week gave me the final push. Well Nisha I'm glad you're on board the subscribers and you're paying to keep news free because like I say Yay! when the public pays the public is served and many people like Nisha have actually subscribed last uh, you know month we saw a slight surge it would be fantastic if we saw some more people subscribe and pay to keep news free. Nisha goes on to say I've been a long I have a long commute of about two and a half hours every day to work and back. My favorite thing to do during this is to listen to the awful and awesome and NL Hafta. So happy that I'll be able to access the full Hafta now. My drive is so much better with Abhinandan Rajshri's banter and take on pop culture for the week. I go back to watching many of the recommendations. Since I don't reside in India anymore, NL Hafta is a great and concise source of content on what has happened within a week in India. After all these times, it has been my go-to source for news. It is refreshing to hear different takes. It is so important for media to have an independent voice of its own to criticize and praise without obvious political or corporate bias. I am so glad News Laundry is doing that and we as subscribers can contribute it to in some way. I look forward to consuming more content now that I'm not a Mufat Khor. Yeah, three cheers for Nisha not being a Mufat Khor. Although Nisha, I disagree with you about bias. I do believe we are all biased, but we have our individual biases. What non-advertising funding sources do is they make you a little braver. I think that's what they do and a little bravery can go a long way. So yeah, That's that. Now if I may quickly come to what's happening at Facebook. I'll just lay the context a bit and then I maybe Anand can come in first. So guys what's basically happened is you know that uh, Jack Dorsey hai na Twitter wale ka na. Yeah. Jack Dorsey's company Twitter limited a tweet of Donald Trump's that kind of said uh, when the looting starts the shooting start the history of that statement is very racist and offensive. I mean I'm sure he used it as a dog whistle. So they said okay we won't take it down but all his statements that are factually incorrect or are promoting violence they'll be limited. So of course Trump was very angry and the expectation was Facebook is a much larger platform Facebook would do the same. Mark Zuckerberg has twice since said that he won't and in fact he's been a little critical of Twitter. Twitter. And the New York Times has quoted Mark Zuckerberg thus quote personally I have a visceral negative reaction to this kind of divisive and infamously rhetoric. but i'm responsible for reacting not just in my personal capacity but as the leader of an institution committed to free expression unquote 
And then this New York Times piece says that he had a chat with Trump on the phone and all that, and no one knows what was said between Trump and him. So, um, Anand, if you would come in first, do you think, I, I, I do personally believe Mark Zuckerberg's reasons for this are not ideological. I think they're completely financial. Um, I could be wrong, but that is my view. But the point he's making, I don't think it's so black and white because, you know, as someone, as the head of a much tiny organization, about 100,000, say Facebook, sometimes I would like to do certain things, but I don't because it would appear that the whole organization is, is a part of that decision. So you kind of cut back on what I would like to do personally. So I, I don't entirely disagree with him philosophically, although I do believe his reasons are economic. But yeah, Anand, you go first. Where do you stand on this? How much should Twitter censor? TikTok ka bhi koi jagada ho gaya tha. Unho ne kuch video dal diya tha, which was apparently oh, offensive. Oh, TikTok YouTube war is quite interesting, but that's completely different. So how much, I mean, and of course there's a legal aspect which I'll go into last. I think it has started with uh, the Twitter providing few links to a statement made by Mr. Trump about uh, the rigging thing in this uh, uh, the ballot rigging or something like post thing and uh, Facebook said that uh, one can't do that. I think that that was the starting point of it. Mr. Jagabo also said that uh, he may not do that. Uh, first, uh, I think uh, the selective fact checking is uh, also a fact. Yes, fact checking is selective. It is it is by and large dictated by what you find more dangerous ideologically or and there is a lot of camp has to do a lot with camp so the point uh, the twitter critics uh, were saying that uh, by doing this uh, twitter has picked a side i don't know whether that's accurate or not I, I am not inclined to comment on that but i am commenting on the second part of your uh, of what you said <laughs> And that uh, to call out something or not, uh, uh, whether uh, if you see it as bigotry or if you see as being problematic in a context, especially if it is coming from the political head of a country. Coming from a political head of a country, if you see something as problematic and you are ideologically inclined to believe so, then it's okay. Anyway, as a platform, it compromises whether you are publishing other views or moderating it. But uh, you can take a stand. But uh, I am going back to earlier what you said that should you call out bigotry with, say, in your family or... Yes, you're, you're talking about... No, this is not about the Facebook. This is the earlier one that I discussed a few haftas back. Ha ha. With ha, your, ha. your. Yeah. Right. I, I am linking it to a very... At a micro level. So, uh, a very, so uh, my position is that you don't get even with your family. So, you, you can't get even with your family. Uh, uh, means your ideals and your uh, maybe with you, but uh, the people you live and die with and to start uh, getting even with it and telling them, uh, I I am a kind of person, I may be wrong or right, I don't know, but a kind of person, and there are many like me, who withdraw f uh, from that line. Of course, when it becomes sometimes embarrassing, you can say that, or mm. don't say that, but not uh, uh, that kind of person. And that is, uh, uh, that is a problem I have with uh, uh, 
Tamil students also. Parents send them, say, in far-flung places like Delhi to study and get a job. And they may be right in their convictions about taking to the streets to protest again. But if they are not studying, if they are, uh, your ideals may change, your view may change in within five or ten years. But once you waste your five, ten years of study, you will not get a job. You will not go. I am knowing that I am digressing from the topic, but uh, that is the kind of person I am. So there has been a lot of change in my views and ideals, but. One thing that would remain with me is that whether I have adequate means of livelihood or whether I am making things uh, more comfortable for my family, that will not change. So uh, I am an advocate of that line. That is why I say you don't get even with your family. Right. Anyone has anything to say before yeah, you go? A couple of things. Hmm. So one what Twitter is also doing, they're not doing it out of the goodness of their hearts or whatever, because I mean, you can clearly see, for example, in India only, they have given blue ticks to like rabid bigots and Islamophobes and all that. So obviously not. Facebook, as we know, I mean, they were heavily indicted for the massacre that happened in Sri Lanka and what happened in Myanmar, right? So these are commercial decisions or ideological decisions, whatever. But I think these are the leaves and branches of the issue. The root of the issue is if you are in a civilized society, do you accept hate speech? Do you accept bigotry? If you say yes, because it's protected by free speech or what, for whatever reason, then I mean, that issue is sorted. If you are saying no, it's not acceptable in a free, in, in a democratic, in a civilized society to have that thing, then it applies everywhere. So you curb hate speech everywhere, right? From the, I mean, the same thing we were discussing the other day about Op India, right? The boycott of this should they be boycotted or not if you say that hate speech bigotry shouldn't exist then you try to put it out from everywhere so that'll apply from everybody to donald trump to to a, a little troll also but obviously that's easier said than done what do you do if it's the same people who are supposed to implement these decisions if you have taken a decision to stamp out hate speech if the same people who are supposed tasked with making sure that this doesn't happen, they're the same people, Trump's crowd in US, Modi's crowd in India. If they're the same people doing so, what do you do? Should you give power to the corporations to decide on their own that this should happen and this shouldn't happen? Then again, you are giving states power to a corporation that creates another problem in its own. So I suppose the whole issue, basic issue is, how are your societies? As individual people, as a society, what values do you harbor? Like in US case, for example, racism is no longer acceptable. I mean, people are still racist, but, but at the societal it's, it's level, it's not acceptable. Yeah. Same thing. If hate speech is not acceptable, maybe not now, maybe not tomorrow, surely sometime that you'll say, okay, this is not acceptable. Let's not do it. Whether it's Trump saying or somebody right. else saying. So I think it's a very complex issue that way. It's a social issue. It's an economic issue. How much power the corporations have. Facebook, so, so Mark you, Zuckerberg can say this because he is like more powerful than most governments in the world right now. Right. right. He's so the prime he, minister of a country. <laughs> exactly. He can get away with it. So why does he have that much power? If you don't address that issue also, I mean, these issues can't be solved. 
Manisha? I'm not really sure if Twitter was being smart with what they did because I think fundamentally the difference is between being a platform and a publisher. News Laundry is a publisher and, you know, we are responsible for what we say. So when we put out something, we editorialize it, obviously, and you are, you know, we face the consequences of what we put out. Twitter and Facebook have vehemently said that they will not be responsible for what's put up on their platform, which makes them a platform and gives them the, it gives them the limited liabilities. So... If you're going to start editorializing, then go the whole hog. Then you say that... But hum, then you won't have the... But then you won't because have the if you have billions of tweets going up a day... How are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? So I think this half-hearted thing, that, okay, we'll do it for Trump, but then we won't do it for Modi. Okay, but we'll do it for this wing people, but not that wing people. I mean, you decide whether whether you want to be a platform and you want the freedoms that come with it. Or if you want to be a publisher, then you better face the music of what publishers face. I mean... Yeah, know. exactly. Because so, you have to look at the root of the issue. What we are discussing is yeah. leaves and branches. And I think, I mean, maybe Wikipedia is... I mean, I keep bringing in Wikipedia, but I do think that people look down upon it and it's, oh, it's not supposed to be a source and it's apparently destroyed a whole generation's curiosity. But I still think a Wikipedia page cannot be defaced that easily. People try, but their community standards are so strict and the, the community policing is so good that a Wikipedia page would by and large... Mostly give you accurate surface level information, but accurate information. It's tough to... And I think the Wikipedia CEO also keeps talking about why this yeah, is so... So I, I think while I, I get that technically it's impossible and also then there's some legal liability comes in that if you start editorializing, then what are you editorializing? The selectivity that Anand spoke about, which is impossible. They don't have the resource to do. But I think one solution is that the blue tick should come with a counter side because the blue tick A gives you a certain premium positioning on social media credibility so if you have a blue tick then your stuff should be liable to be taken down if it is offensive and that will always be subjective no someone can say you know all lives matter why are we paying so much attention to you know a black just the killing of a black man that's an offensive thing to say that person is probably racist but has not said something outrightly racist and another person can say that's what he deserved right now that is outright racist so that will go someone can say why didn't the earlier one go there is always going to be a grey. And I think then the company said, this is our decision that is taken by these 10 people. You don't like it, fuck off. Go to TikTok. Mm. But if you have a blue tick, you will be watched. And I think they have enough resources to edit blue ticks. All across yeah. countries. I think they have. I think... What the, do you uh, think? It's, do you it's think not like, that much. like companies have auditors, external auditors, they should just have... Get external auditors on board. I think they just definitely like, should. I think like if the you way have, our accounts books are supposed I to I think of blue tick says something and that comes to that Abhijit Ayer Mitra thing. Yeah. I mean, as an organization, I would not, in fact, in fact, let me just come to this after this email. Uh, thank you guys for, for that chat on Facebook. One uh, quick point. I think one of the models that's being talked about to deal with these issues is what you're seeing the wikipedia model similar thing i mean wikipedia model apparently has its own problems but similar thing that it's the people when you have a community of say yeah. millions and millions of people they can decide this is this this is but then this, that's this. the thing like if you have then influential people breaking those basic etiquettes then how do you have a wider and and it's so easy to rig twitter also no? you yeah, can yeah, just have bots have enough, going exactly, at you i mean yeah. it's just really and not just bots are enough Horrible people who yeah, endorse yeah. that. Now, Gaurav Lele has written, Hi, I've been an on and off subscriber for three to four years. I will not get into a deep why I unsubscribed. Maybe that's for another mail. I resubscribed when I saw a mail from Abhinandan last week calling for support amidst these tough times. I hope this email by me is read as previously three, four haven't been read. I enjoyed your coverage a lot with Abhinandan Sekri being my favorite. I really enjoy Manisha's nuisance too. In previous years, I've subscribed most consistently to News Laundry, but I've also paid for subscription to The Wire and Swaraj. 
I stopped subscribing to all three last year as I found these outlets, including NL, as I found them becoming increasingly ideologically one-sided. Even though both these outlets provide much less nuance than NL, the quality of their website and app exceeds NL considerably. I have three points. Please do not take the following comments as arrogant or ungrateful. Never. Recently, for the last year, I've been following Lallantop and the print, and I find their coverage much less ideological and much more extensive. I do not know their financing, but I am and many of my friends tend to be very happy with their coverage in depth and width. Enough to want to shell out two, three hundred rupees a month for these outlets. But even though I plan on continuing NL subscription for foreseeable near future, I do not feel I get enough from it, especially given the poor app and website. Additionally, I want to keep supporting independent journalism, but financially, I can't support all independent outlets, say print, lull and top, news laundry. Could there be a pooling of online system? Especially, I heard other journalists also plan to go behind the paywall. Second, why I totally agree, newsrooms in general need caste and religious representation. Equally or more importantly, it needs ideologically diverse representation. A calm, unvociferous and apparently docile Anand Vardhan is not enough. A bellicose and hyperventilating Anand Ranganathan-like figure is missed in my point of view. Though I don't agree with these two guys on most stuff, I feel NL should strongly find representation from all sides of the aisle, especially as I understand Madhu is no longer full-time at NL. I tend to be more disappointed with science coverage. Maybe you can try that. I wasn't a fan of Shekhar Gupta, but his Corona videos along with Sandhya Ramesh's science videos are exceptionally good in otherwise illogical and at times stupid Corona coverage in the Indian media space. So Gaurav, uh, thank you. Um, first of all, bro, uh, it's hard for me to reply to all mails. We get a lot of them, but we try to include as many of them as possible on this hafta, which brings me to young Kinshuk who has written a 1042 word email. Kinshuk, bro, I've read your mail, but if I read it, it'll be 10 minutes. So I can't read it on the hafta, but... Uh, Maybe, you know, if you can join us on the Zoom that we're doing with subscribers where we take questions directly and quickly, quickly we can answer questions. I may be able to answer some of your questions there. But Gaurav, specifically to what you said, I think representation from all caste, community, geographies actually adds to ideological representation because ideology is formed by where you come from. If I have a Dalit experience, I don't, I can keep saying I know what it's like like your one of your favorites, Anand Ranganathan, you mentioned, used to claim. I think it's a kind of a pompous claim. I You don't know what it's like till you've lived that life. I may say I know what it's like being a woman. I don't until I have lived that life. So lived experience forms ideology. And therefore, it is the most obvious and transparent way to have a diverse newsroom is by having diversity of ethnicity, community, religion, etc. But yes, I agree that ideological diversity is important. Where I disagree is that... While Anand, while he was here, was welcome, and I may go as far as to say that we discovered him and gave him to the world, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> what he says today, <laughs> I can tell you with certainty, I don't like to pull rank usually in this organization. I will not have a person like that represent News Laundry. So that is not happening as long as I'm here. Uh, and not because I have any specific dislike for the guy, but the kind of things that these people have gone out and said has crossed any line of decency. And I don't believe we should provide a platform. Print can provide a platform to Abhijit Ayer Mitra, who recently told Muslim fact-checker, Jihadi Javed, I'll flash your Jabarism. mother and piss in your living room. And then I will tell her to feed me Vindalu. If you think such people add diversity, then uh, maybe print is your platform of choice. Uh, as long as financing is concerned, Lallan Top is owned by India today. They are a several hundred, if not thousand crore company. Uh, so they have resources that are hundreds and thousands of times ours. The print's uh, monthly budget is how much I have spent in eight years since News Laundry has been set up. They spend that in a year, sorry. So what they, if you go to the ROC returns, what they spent in a year is what News Laundry has spent in eight years. 
So yes, they have a you know a lot of coverage, and I think some of it is great. Mm-hmm. But a person like twenty twenty Anand Ranganathan, I'm not talking about twenty seventy, uh, twenty fifteen, sixteen, when I didn't agree with what he said, but the kind of things I see him say on on air, it's outright bigoted. And Abhijit Dayar Mitra, even at earlier times, I could see he was a complete jackass. No, those voices will not find their way here. But yes, we will have diversity in ideology as long as you can say stuff without being so horrible to another human being. That is not diversity. That is just endorsing vile people who will always be there in life. I don't think someone saying, see, someone is saying we must have human rights for all, and someone saying let's kill black people or Muslim people. Let's have diversity and get both these people on this platform. No, there is place for that person who's saying let's have human rights for all. and there is no place for them the person saying let's kill the rest because that does not show diversity that shows this person is out of touch with the stage of evolution the human race is at and i have no interest in rehabilitating prehistoric relics who have not kept up with evolution i'm done mm-hmm. also i think you covered every, all every bit of it but why would somebody think that say for example print is not ideological being neutral whatever it means like say for example you are equally distant from left and right that is ideology also right centrism is an ideology neutrality is an ideology so it's not like some people who say we are objective they are not ideological i keep saying this again and again if you are consciously deciding to be objective you are being subjective right absolutely you can't be objective <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it, yeah i think uh, the point on diversity uh, i would agree with in the sense of news coverage it's certainly uh, true that lalan top and print cover way more areas than we do they have beat reporters and that's purely a function of your com- you're comparing a truly independent media which doesn't take ads at all and which doesn't have corporate backing to uh, companies who have both of that and who have now uh, jumped on the subscription bandwagon so i mean of course you choose to do what you want to do with your money but we are completely depending on subscriptions no and we've been we like this since 2012 yeah. let me uh, also got to let me tell you a lot of these guys are su- switching to subscription model not because they give a fuck about subscription models it's cause they are not getting enough ads tomorrow when they get enough ads they will happily say thank you subscribers fuck off now you guys are just contributing 10% we'll go back to getting the ads so be under no illusion about why this is happening subscriptions is just a very small tiny percentage of you know everything else that events ads all the other things that they make money with and so you can't compare their coverage with ours but definitely point taken on uh, diversity in terms of topics we should definitely make an effort to get you right so um rohan is saying hi i'm continuing to question what i asked on nl chat box last week mehraj said that basically communism does what religions constitution and the writings of frederick hayek do they lay down principles for man how an individual should be that's exactly what i meant communism as a set of ideals in a democracy and not the form that it has taken in china and russia my problem is that in india i see anyone standing up for ideals and principles is in the left countless times i've seen kanhaiya omar or kavita arguing on the basis of constitution marxist literature or basically a book i don't remember any bjp leader in the recent past quoting from a book or standing <laughs> up from the marginalized i'm constantly inspired by indian communists because they take principled positions and stand with the marginalized in a country like ours with inequality like no other place isn't that something we need congress liberal types seem to do sometimes but it is unlikely that they will actually come out on the streets and become one with the people sure all isms are dogmatic as raman said but we could really use some idealism from indian communists because thanks to the current dispensation people seem to have forgotten gandhi ambedkar and the likes your thoughts also have you checked out the instagram live conversation between kavita krishnan and raghu karnar they are very insightful okay um i mean i can just tell you i think rohan you may be kind of mixing up 
human values of decency with communism i don't <laughs> i i have interviewed kanhaiya i think he is a very sweet guy and heart in the right place but i do think that his loyalty to communism is rather foolhardy and it exposes a chink in his otherwise brilliant uh, you know uh, intellectual armor it exposes a stupidity where he defends communism and i've done that while i was talking to him he suddenly shackles go up i think it's a really dumb ideology and i was forced to study it as part of my economic theory paper in my final year of economics so i would reject it as an ism but what you have said standing up for the marginalized i don't know why that is a communist thing yeah, i mean that's it's not a communist thing man everyone's done it i mean even savarkar has done it man you know at different points in life so i disagree with no one from the right if does anything it. communism in russia and china at least have like but gone against no i think anything that has a prescribed procedure ki bhai aisa karo aisa mat karo aisa it doesn't take into account how circumstances change with time and how human beings are different uh, all human beings don't have the same pursuit skill desire or will so and and communism teams sent tends to ignore that so that's i think its biggest flaw i i think maybe i wasn't clear uh, that time so what i meant was yeah you need people you need people what do you call like men of character people of character who will make up a society and they'll decide so what i said about communism is like if you really if you want those ideals of equality justice fraternity if you're only looking for those you don't have to go to communism for that because you can find those i mean mm. read ambedkar get those from the constitution also from gandhi ji also even from religions islam christianity hinduism also but if you want a system so communism comes as a package it doesn't come just as the ideals so if you want that system then that system is like we have seen it's caused so much horror in the world in china in russia elsewhere in the world so if you want to import as a system that is like really really dangerous but if you want those ideals yeah you can take those from communism then if you want to take those ideals but leave out the horrible bits then it's no longer communism then, then yeah, it's, it's, it's not maybe socialism then it's democratic yeah. socialism all the other things mm. absolutely so if you are looking for the values that you want in this country so for that you have plenty and plenty of i mean just read ambedkar and the constitution that gives you everything you need yeah, to set there, this country right there are certain things that savarkar has written and said in his life that i agree with but i don't think he owns those those values and just because i follow them i won't say i've become a savarkar right So similarly, if there's certain uh, sorry, Anand, you want God, to come in before I move known? on? No, no, sorry. I mean, if, if you want an, if you the kind of in India you want to see, the kind of society you want to see, which you sort of try to explain, if you want that kind of society, society which not only upholds the values but preaches the values of equality, justice, and all these things, whatever you are you are talking about, just go back to the Constitution. Just go back to Ambedkar. Just read mm. Ambedkar. I mean, he has this whole intellectual foundation to. set up that society and then you have religious values from different religions you have cultural values all those together can make up for a very beautiful very equitable very just society but if you want a system when well then mm. there is problems anand you want to step in and and comment on our young subscribers letter no i think uh, just a practical point is that uh, even for nothing else uh, just for uh, the electoral arithmetic of democratic politics uh, political parties cannot uh, uh, be not seen as advocating advocating the cause of uh, the marginalized so sheer economic demography social demography of india is such that even a large part of your electorate you appeal to 
will fall in those sections. So different political parties from right through the spectrum, from right to left to the centrist, uh, have their advocates of the marginalized. They do show in their uh, electoral campaigns as well as rhetorics. And uh, if you go uh, at the grassroots level, there are so uh, you may say the vocal um, figures of the marginalized from every political party. The political party that you may be thinking to be more uh, the most pro capital or Shootboot type would have their grassroots workers working with the marginalized. Right, thanks. And uh, Arnab has written that he was recently gifted with a New Zealand subscription as a birthday gift. Arnab, Woo! you have very good friends. Happy birthday, belated. Oh, when you gift. said Arnab has said, I thought you were talking about Arnab Goswami. No. So this is this is Arnab Nandi. So uh, and then Arnab says, thank you for the work that we do. And we have earned a sub. So I guess even after the birthday gift subscription lapses, Arnab will remain a sub. Thank you, Arnab. I'm glad you have friends who give such wonderful birthday gifts. And Samir uh, has said that a uh, big fan. I guess I felt guilty and finally subscribed because, you know, when I had probably sent out a mail or for whatever reason. Samir says, I recently read Jaitirth Rao's The Indian Conservative. He puts out the history of conservative thought in India and its current situation. I disagree on a lot of points, but at least what he wrote was lucid and well put. I would love to know your thoughts on him and his book and would love if you could invite him on Hafta, Amit Verma's YouTube interview. So um, maybe we should do an interview of that. And I think uh, the best person equipped to do that interview is probably Anand. We can do a Zoom interview. A, Anand, have you read this book by Jethir Thrao of the Indian Conservative? Yes, actually, it's a very slim book, not more than 200 pages, I think. And even the laziest person can read it. So uh, I think anyone making effort of one or two days can complete it. It's a, um, I think it's a, he himself has not set a lot of ambition about this book. He says in his foreword as well as in um, the concluding chapters that it's not a very, uh, his ramblings over the contours of uh, the evolution of conservative thought in India. And he has divided in, say, social, political, cultural chapter, uh, this segregation is there. Would you like to interview him since you probably are well-read on conservatism because you've commented on it often on this uh, on this podcast? We can try to set it up, young Aditya. Okay. And okay. also... Okay, okay. okay I, I, I will consider that, yes. That'll be great. The other comment from Samir is that he feels that Charcha is treated like a stepchild. While I love Atul Meghnad and Charcha, it would help if you got more guests for the show. Now, that is not up to me. The producer of Charcha is Aditya, who is sitting here, who is also the producer of Hafta. So, the producer decides who appears and who doesn't. So, right on my right, with a social distancing distance, is Aditya. So, Aditya, you read that mail. Kindly take note that you are treating that like a stepchild. I have nothing to do with it. So, Samir, I deny all responsibility, like any good leader. <laughs> so, so, on that note, uh, ladies and gentlemen, can I get your recommendations? After which we shall wind up with a vote of thanks to the subscribers who did subscribe and paid to keep news free. Guys, last month, so many of you stepped up when, you know, you got the mail about tough times. I really value that. And I'm glad we have a community of people who value independent media. Even many of you who've written, you don't ag agree with me at all very often, but you like what we are trying to create. So thank you for that. So recommendations. Anand, why don't you go first? Yes, I am uh, recommending two reports. Uh, I would have liked 
to recommend them from regional press, but I think there would be some problems in getting wavelengths of it. So, but a part of it appeared in the national press also in the Times of India and the Hindu. And uh, it's a report in the Times of India of, uh, of day before yesterday on Tuesday, yes. So uh, it is about, uh, I am recommending it for two reasons. First, is it, it, it's a report about a man who, a migrant worker who traveled from Karnataka by foot, on foot, to Gonda district in Uttar Pradesh, and he risked his house, and uh, he met his family, and after an hour, he went uh, to his field and was washing up uh, from, I guess, uh, the canals that go through the field. Oh, right, yeah, the snake bite. And, and uh, he died because of the snake bite. Mm, very sad, yeah. Uh, at first, uh, I thought uh, that uh, it, it, it got me interested because of the absurdity part. Because it is as absurd as uh, Albert Camus, the foremost theorist of absurdity, dying in a car accident. So the feeling that we are carrying a body just waiting for that absurd uh, snap and then all meaninglessness of everything that existed. So the the that part he es- he escaped the the painful journey and then he escaped the pandemic. But something as absurd as a snake bite got him. So this part, but that is the absurdity of it. But second is a report related to it uh, in a way in the Hindu last year. It. Uh, talks about the scale of deaths because of the snake bites in India. And it, 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 this uh, report was occasioned by when a girl in Kerala died because of a snake bite in, in high school. Now, there are more than 178,000 cases of snake bites in India, of which 1,000 die means a lot of them are saved also. But uh, uh, say activists like uh, Josh Louis working with Wildlife Trust say that uh, actually much more die. And a uh, few months ago before this lockdown, I traveled from Patna to Mujapapur. In Mujapapur, there is a hospital, Prabhatara hospital, which treats only snake bite patients. It's a just a specialized hospital for bite patients and you will notice that uh, that thousands uh, visited and this is the scale of it now when we come back to normalcy these are the banal things that kill people in india and there is very little coverage about it now in times of india also had this report of the percentage of people killed the percentage of migrants killed in road accidents now, World Road Statistics 2018 says that in uh, around 1.5 lakh people in India killed by road accidents, and India is number one, accounting for 11% of total road fatalities in, India, in the world, so followed by China and US. By these reports, what I'm trying to say that pre-COVID or post-COVID, that these are the banal death machines in India. And they need more focus and coverage. The philosophical part is, of course, the absurdity. But 
there is a small part of it which is preventable also we need to focus more on that yes right Miraj two uh, pieces one is a piece that was published in scroll by Vikas Rawal Manish Kumar Ankur Verma and Jasim Paisa researchers and the headline of the piece is India let 65 lakh tons of grain go to waste in 4 months even as the poor went hungry uh, the FCI has sent a rejoinder to them and they have explained how they got how they came up with this number and all that but even if the numbers are here and there but the fact that this this is what we were talking about earlier the moral vacuum that there is this much grain sitting in the granaries but it's not being given to people who are dying of hunger so that that is one another is what i talked about earlier uh, an apple bombs piece in the atlantic it's the cover story oh, this time i really want to reach that read yeah, that yeah i mean like i said i have a lot of problems because she man she tends to present donald trump as this uniquely evil figure before him everything was great in the us which is not the case i mean the mm. ferguson rights happened under obama right so apart from that it has really really great insights into how some people tend to sort of what she calls collaborate with these regimes these authoritarians and others don't what are the motivations what mm. justifications do they give really fascinating and the third one is uh, dr cornel west who is one of the world's foremost philosophers he was uh, he had an interview with uh, anderson cooper cnn no hmm. anderson, anderson cooper, cooper? Yeah. i think so yeah he's really so fun that, yeah. <laughs> that that that's just worth watching the way he lays out these whole problems i mean the clarity of thought that man has i mean i haven't seen it with anybody else he wrote this article some time ago i think it was in the guardian uh, about how obama was not the first black president he was the first black sort of the leader of the american empire right absolutely brilliant and this please watch this interview if you have time if you can find i'm sure you can find it on the cnn website also and youtube also so please watch that manisha uh, so the new york times piece uh, it's a video report on uh, the last moments of george floyd 8 minutes and 46 seconds how george floyd was killed in police custody there's also mark zuckerberg's conversation with about 25000 employees there's an open dissent in facebook right now by the way i think one person has quit and there are a lot of people unhappy with his stance vis-a-vis twitters so uh, the transcript the transcripts of that uh, meeting have been leaked so you can read that and you'll get to you'll get a little insight on what this guy is thinking about um, on this whole platform publisher issue so my recommendation would uh, again time and again it goes to npr i found two really nice podcasts one was police unions and civilian deaths on how there is a relationship between police unionization and the number of people killed by officers and the second is I mean, they've answered three questions in this podcast, but one of them is where did the money go? And other questions, and it's a delightfully simple and obvious question. But I can guarantee you, many of our people who report for on economics or television will not be able to give you an answer. They said, "You think there's no money? So where's the money gone? There was money, right? Before the COVID struck or before any of this happened, you know, you had money, X had money, Y had money. So now, oh, the economy's collapsed; it's shrinking. So where's the money gone? Who has it now?" So, so it's a really and they answered it really well and this, i remember they had done a similar one during lehman when they had said that you know i'm worth 500 million i'm worth 600 million i'm worth, and suddenly i'm bankrupt so they answered so who's got all that money where's it gone so it's a, it's it's a there's this uh, i remember there's this fascinating interview with uh, ben bernanke who was the uh, fed, fed chair chief, at yeah. the time of the recession so here's this interview so one interviewer asked him the bailout 
they gave trillions of dollars to Wall right. Street, and he asked, "Where did you get the money?" Hmm. He tries to like hedge this, that, but where did the money come from? Tax revenues and all that. He said, "We moved some things on a computer." <laughs> <laughs> right. So on that note, thank you, panel. Thank you for joining us. Those of you who've been listening, stay safe wherever you are. We are continuing to do our work, taking precautions, trying to keep ourselves safe, but making sure that our work doesn't stop. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, we're overwhelmed by some of the responses we've got. Those of you who can afford to pay, do pay to keep news free. Uh, if you can't, and if you're a student, you can apply for our sponsored subscription program. Uh, but yeah, spread the word. Yeah, get more people to pay for news. Otherwise, news will die. I shall leave you with this song to have a slight upbeat week. Good night. Good day. Good morning. ओ जाने मन जाने मन तेरे दो नयन चोरी चोरी लेके गए देखो मेरा मन जाने मन जाने मन जाने मन मेरे दो नयन चोर नहीं सजन तुमसे ही खोया होगा करके तुम्हारा मन जाने मन जाने मन जाने मन जाने मन जाने मन तेरे दो नयन चोरी चोरी लेके गए देखो मेरा मन जाने मन जाने मन जाने मन मेरे दो नयन चोर नहीं सजन तुमसे ही खोया होगा कहीं तुम्हारा मन जाने मन जाने मन जाने मन All the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.